The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Business Network Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, you know, I promise you're in the right place because it's true, you are. So let's get started. The buzz today, three's company. Three is good company. Emphasis on good. Calling all CPOs and CFOs. You know who you are. Even if you're not at that level in the C-suite yet and you're aspiring to it, you want to listen. Even if you know what those terms mean, you want to listen to this very good information today. Okay. Your procurement and finance teams in your company may already be collaborating to build a joint business case for source to pay. That means they're working together. They're talking together. They're sitting down at the virtual table together. Everything is good, and they have a good goal in mind. However, truly transforming your business in the digital economy, that's where we are now, requires a third partner, not two, three, and that partner is IT. Okay, so we're talking procurement, finance, and IT. We're going to call those your new power team. Why is this so important? Well, given today's pervasive, disruptive technology innovations, and you know they're coming at you left and right as we speak, as you're even listening to us, it takes a triple threat power team to achieve what you want, sustained business success. You need to leverage synergies. You need to streamline the source to pay process. We'll even level set that for you if it's a new term for you. You need to simplify supply chain connectivity. And maybe most important of all, You need to drive ecosystem innovation. That's a lot to think about. So, question on the table today, is your company there yet? Do you even know what we're talking about? Sounds interesting, might even sound like fun. Well, we've got three experts who are helping to figure it out, and we're going to start introducing them right now. First up is a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. Actually, all three panelists are. It's Rich Lazara, L-A-Z-Z-A-R-A. He provides leadership and oversight to the key functional areas of procurement, vendor management, supply chain, travel, and mobile solution delivery within CA Technology. So we'll just shorten that. Rich Lazara at CA Technologies. And Rich has sent me... A wonderful quote from a very young man who passed away at the age of 13. You may have heard of him. His name is Matty, M-A-T-T-I-E, Stepanek, S-T-E-P-A-N-E-K. There's actually a hashtag, Matty Stepanek, on Twitter. Uh, He was an American poet who published seven best-selling books of poetry. That's right. Died at 13, had seven best-selling books of poetry. So what are you doing with your life? He wanted to be remembered as a poet, a peacemaker, 
and a philosopher who played. It makes me cry. He became known as a peace advocate and motivational speaker, and his hero was former U.S. President Jimmy Carter, who described Maddie as the most extraordinary person I've ever known. Here's the quote. Unity is strength. When there is teamwork and collaboration, wonderful things can be achieved. Rich Lazaro, you got me in tears. Welcome, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you for finding this quote and introducing me to Maddie. I wish I had known about him. He passed away in 2004, which is already, what, 12 years ago. So tell me, how did you come across this quote? And tell me how it relates to our topic about the power team, procurement, finance, and IT. Rich? Uh, sure, Bonnie. So, um, well, like you said, today's topic is all about uh, collaboration between finance, procurement, and IT. So uh, I wanted to you know, find a, a quote that kind of got the message across that this can actually be done, because as you started uh, the, the show, it, it, some people may think it can't be done, but yet you can achieve great things if you can work it out. Um, but the thing I wanted to bring out really about this quote that I thought was interesting is that um, when you think about it, the quote can be a little misleading unless you break it down a bit. Uh, that first part about unity is strength, and we're talking about teams. Uh, if you mm-hmm. look up uh, unity in the dictionary, uh, the first definition says that it's the state of being in full agreement. Now, all mm. of us in, in business, right, know that, uh, you know, that's hardly the case, right, for any team. And, and actually, in my view, uh, to be in full agreement, if a team was in full agreement, it would actually keep them from being a high-performing team. So, so that's not quite uh, the, the meaning, at least when I, when I pull this out here. Uh, but, good, you know, the good thing is there's a second definition for unity, which is really why I selected the quote. Uh, and that says that uh, unity is a way of combining the parts in a, in a work of art or in a piece of literature or, I'll add, a, a project team so that they mm-hmm. seem to belong together. And um, that's really the, the, the thought behind, you know, for me, for this quote and uh, for some success that, that we've had. You know, being in full agreement is not a reality or, you know, desired. But uh, you can get people to learn how to work together. Uh, to the point where they seem to belong together, where it would be hard to even imagine getting to the successful conclusion of a project unless that team was together. That's really the point. So it's possible, but it requires effort. And it doesn't you know, just happen by chance, but it is possible. Very interesting. I, I really appreciate your comments, Rich. The thought that you don't have to all agree and be exactly on the same plane, the same wave. Very interesting because... Uh, True collaboration, I think there's safety, isn't there, Rich? There's a safety that you can express yourself. You can express yourself well and get feedback from the team and figure out where to go. But it doesn't have to be everybody, as I like to say, sitting around the campfire holding hands singing Kumbaya. Yes, Bob, you're right. Okay. Next 5,000 of you fall in line behind Bob. He's the only one who said anything. He must be right. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Never is, so there there needs to be a stretch, there needs to be a push, there needs to be a vision, there needs to be some safety that you can express a different point of view and more of a futuristic viewpoint than what's been done before. Thank you. Great. Interesting. It's almost a side note to our topic uh, and a very exciting one. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Rich Lazar. A pleasure to have you on the show. And now let me introduce our second panelist. She is Emily Rakowski, R-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. Global Vice President of Audience Marketing and Demand Generation at SAP Ariba. And Emily has brought us a quote from Prince. That's right. That guy, that performer, that singer, that recorder. If you want to know what his other names were, he's been called the Purple One. He's been called the artist formerly known as Prince. He's been called some kind of a symbol. He's been called Christopher, Jamie Starr, Joey Coco, and T-A-F-K-A-P. I don't even want to know what that is. But for those of you who are scratching your head saying, who? It's Prince Rogers Nelson, born in 1958, known by his mononym, ooh, of Prince. He's an American singer 
singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and actor. He's been a major figure in pop music for over three decades. He's known widely for his eclectic work, his flamboyant stage presence, everybody knows that, and his wide vocal range. I might even say wild. He's known as the pioneer of the Minneapolis sound. I never heard of that. Combining rock, R&B, soul, funk, hip-hop, disco, psychedelia, jazz, and pop. I'm just going to stop right there. And here's the quote Emily has selected from The Lore of Prince. You can always tell when the groove is working or not. Emily Rakowski, how are you today? Good morning, Bonnie. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, and I'm so I'm tickled by Prince because we have a list of suggested quotes. You know, I send it to you and the other panelists. Uh, we have people who quote various lyricists, various music, various movies, various books, and and things like that. And nobody has ever quoted Prince before on Game Changers. We have the Beatles, we have the Blues Brothers, we have Fleetwood Mac, Prince. So welcome, Prince, to Game Changers. So Emily, how did you come across this quote? Talk to me. So the purpose of this panel today is really talking about collaboration and teamwork and forming a team uh, that's very high-performing and really move the business forward. And when I was looking for a quote, first of all, Prince, I grew up on Prince. I love Prince. Uh, I know all the lyrics to all the songs, and, you know, he's just a longtime idol of mine. So I was very happy to come across this quote by him, which really got to the heart of, I think, um, when you know that you have the right relationships in your business. So you can really tell when the groove is working or not in terms of your relationships between your function and other functions around you that need to work very closely together to form common goals and to really move the business forward in the right direction, making sure that you're aligned to the overall business goals. And so I love that quote and, you know, Prince always optimizes his performances for the groove. We, uh, we should be thinking about optimizing our uh, our business relationships for the groove. Emily, that's so interesting. We never think of speaking. I don't think anyway. The meetings I've been in for my years in business, we never think about speaking in terms of we got to get in the groove or we got to find a new groove. I think it would make work so much more fun if somebody put this quote on a wall or on a whiteboard somewhere or sewed it on, I don't know, get your 3D printer out, boys and girls, and print something with this quote on it. Uh, because when the groove is working or not, it reminds me of what Rich Lazara just mentioned, the Matty Stepsaponic quote about unity is strength, teamwork, and collaboration. Do so you think that Prince would have gone back to his team or does go back to his performance team, his production team, Emily, and say, nah, groove's not right. Let's keep going. Let's come up with another melody or let's come up with another costume or another set of fireworks. Do you think there's that, that teamwork that Prince relies on in terms Absolutely. of how... Yeah. yeah, I mean, whether it's business or the arts, everybody relies on the team around them to create something that's unique and wonderful. And when you're talking about a band, you know, and, and creating new music, those bands know when they've got something going that's special and different um, and, you know, that really works and that they think audiences will get excited about. Um, and they probably know when they're working on something that's just kind of not there, that uh, the sound's not quite right or they don't think it's going to be appealing, you know, I'm sure that that's part of the process. So I think similarly, you know, when you're in business and everybody's starting to come up with new ideas, new ways of working together, you can, you know, pretty well understand whether you're on the right track and and you seem like you have something that's going to work and you're going to be able to sell to other parts of the organization or whether you really need to rethink your approach. 
Thank you, Emily. Interestingly enough, Prince has sold over 100 million records worldwide. He's one of the world's all ever time all time best selling artist. He's won seven Grammys, a Golden Globe, an Academy Award. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in two thousand four, the first year he was eligible. Rock Rolling Stone magazine ranked him twenty seven on its list of the hundred greatest artists of all time. And what you might not know is that one of his AKA's other names was Alexander N- Never mind. I don't know where that came from. I just learned so much. I just can't stand it anymore. Thank you, Emily. Very interesting quote. And let's introduce our third panelist. He's also at SAP Ariba. It's John Thompson, Senior Director of Value Realization. And John has sent us a quote from Stephen R. Covey, C-O-V-E-Y. Very interesting. Covey, who, who left us in 2012. He was born in 1932, lived to 2012, was an American educator, author, businessman, and keynote speaker. His most popular book, those of you scratching your head saying, gee, I've heard that name before, most popular book was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Very interesting. And Stephen Covey won 10 honorary doctorate degrees. He was a Phi Beta Kappa International Fraternity member, and he has an MBA from Harvard, and he also has a DRE, Doctor of Religious Education from Brigham Young University. Interesting man. So here is the quote. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Ooh, John Thompson, great quote. How are you today? Hey, I'm great, Bonnie. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Very well. Love the quote. We've been talking with Emily and with Rich about collaboration and teamwork and perhaps having that aha, eureka moment, that breakthrough where somebody says something and it's it's uh, pushed around the team and, and they think about it. Everything is considered. So this quote seems so perfect. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of Stephen Covey's? I, I am, yeah. And so when, when we started talking about this, this segment here and the power team coming together between IT, finance, and procurement, um, I, I always arc back to communication. Uh, and communication is, I forget the ratio, but it's 60, 70% listening, you know, 20, 30% being understood. And um, I think when you start with listening to understand what your business partner's challenges and goals are, you create trust and you also create credibility. And I think further is that relationship develops you know, that that trust and credibility and listening is reciprocated. And so, you know, if you invest in technology and finance to understand what their goals and objectives are, uh, in my experience, they do the same from a procurement point of view. And, and these three groups have different goals. So, you know, understanding what their goals and objectives are um, and, and sharing of that collaboration just creates a stronger partnership so that those can be uh, tackled together. Thank you, John. How do you instill this? This is... This is not the way most people operate. We listen and we think, oh, what can I say next? Oh, what can I add to the conversation? Oh, how soon will she be done so I can get my point of view in there? How do you instill this in the business setting? Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. What kind of retraining? Are the millennials coming into the workplace? They're they're basically overrunning us as we speak. Are they going to bring this collaborative mindset where they're ready to listen and understand? John, what's your thought on that? You know, I, I think it starts with asking questions um, and and digging deeper, restating, making sure that you clarify and you understand what you think you heard. And uh, I, th- I think that just starts the conversation. Um, you know, too often we jump into trying to describe what your objectives are. And I think when you invest in understanding the other party's 
uh, challenges and objectives, and, and you ask questions, and you restate and you clarify, I, I think it starts to become a bit natural. Um, I, I think it also takes confidence. You know, if, if you're concerned with being heard and being understood, then, then that creates anxiousness for you to exert yourself. And uh, I think you've got to be confident in yourself and your ability to partner with others. And uh, it takes time, too. It's not going to happen in, in one or two conversations. These partnerships between finance, procurement, and technology, um, they're long-term partnerships that are required for success. Thank you very much. Great set of quotes, panelists. I really appreciate the work you all did in getting these quotes to me and selecting them so thoughtfully. And now let's circle back to Rich Lazara. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Rich, first, where are you calling from? What time of day or other time is it, if it's not morning? And either what are you drinking right now that's interesting or what would you rather be drinking? Rich Lazara? (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm calling from uh, Long Island, uh, New York, so it's about uh, 12... 15 or so. Me too, uh, me too. Where, where, where on Long Island? Uh, where on Long Island? It's a town called uh, Islandia, which is near Hophog. Okay. VA uh, has uh, one of their uh, very large. That's uh, right. I'm in Great Neck, so I'm going to look, look, uh, I'm going to look south to the LIE and I'm going to look east to Islandia and I'm going to wave to you. Hello, Rich. Okay, we're good. <laughs> there you we're go. We're good. There you go. <laughs> so, um, and as far as uh, what I'm drinking now or what I'll be drinking later, I think I'll, I'll choose the second uh, choice there that you've given me since I have a choice. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe after work, uh, I'd be drinking a fine uh, glass of Long Island wine. So, uh, I'm, so you're on the island, so you uh, probably know, and maybe uh, a lot of the folks listening in, listening in know that uh, Long Island has uh, some major uh, wineries. Uh, oh, really, yes. Really good wine, you know, wines that have won many awards. Um, I actually uh, belong to uh, a particular you know, winery out uh, on the North Fork called uh, Pellegrini Vineyards. Uh, they're out in Kutchog, and I really enjoy their wine. So, um, so it's kind of less about what's in the glass for me, anyway. It's kind of more about the, the the journey and the experience because I'm I'm pretty I live fairly far out on the island, further east uh, than where um, where I'm located now at work. And uh, I belong to this winery, and uh, I'm part of their program. They uh, Give me, uh, give me. I pay for uh, three bottles of wine uh, every three months, uh, but I intentionally don't have it shipped, you know, to my house because it's really about the sort of the the, the journey. It's a, it's a beautiful drive to to get out there from where I am to the, the yes. North Fork. Um, the winery is beautiful. The wines are great, and it's just really nice to be able to to go out there, to be out there, and enjoy a, a nice local wine. Uh, Long Island has great um, uh, Cab Francs, for example, that they use. Uh, as a varietal mm-hmm. or that they use to blend just amazing wine. So it really gives me a chance to kind of, you know, relax, to recharge, you know, get refreshed. Uh, I enjoy doing it. It's beautiful out there. And uh, that's important for me personally because if I don't kind of carve out that time or use that as an excuse to do that drive and spend some time there at the winery, um, then, you know, the stress kind of builds up, right? So it's a good way for me to relax and stay refreshed so I can Well put. I'm going to try and find a hashtag for Long Island wineries. Pindar is one of my favorite. They're winter white. It's a blend, and it's just delightful and delicious, and I can actually find it in some local liquor stores. But I remember the days of driving out a couple of years ago to the North Fork and having a lazy day going from winery to winery. Some of them have poetry readings. They have beautiful grounds and places to relax, and, of course, Mm -hmm. you can taste and you can buy. Thank you for the good memories, Rich Lazar. I know where I'm going to be spending my summer now. Hiccup, Emily Rakowski. Where are you calling from, and what are you thinking about drinking, or do you want to join Rich and, and go on an odyssey to the Long Island wineries, Emily? Oh, that sounds amazing, yes. So I'm calling from Northern Virginia, in fact, Vienna, Virginia, 
right huh? near an area called Tyson's Corner, which is a kind of a business hub in Northern Virginia. So it's also 12.20 here. Um, on dentist orders, I am drinking oh. Crystal Light Lemonade <laughs> instead of Coca-Cola or Diet Coke or other things that are wreaking havoc on my teeth. And um, my cup is filled to the brim with ice. I am a huge fan of ice. I know that sounds like a strange thing, but um, I really like it. And when I was thinking about an aside, I am very excited in about two months. I'm going to be receiving an at-home personal nugget ice maker. Um, <gasps> I have it's awesome. Wow. So if you've ever like gone to Sonic or you know some of these other fast food restaurants have this little nugget ice that's got air in it, and you can chew it and you can you know it retains the flavor of whatever you're drinking. It's really delicious. And um, I have funded a group called First Build. It was an Indiegogo campaign about this nugget ice maker. Um, for those of you who love ice, and they've already raised almost $3 million through this campaign. Wow. And this group, and it's also f- uh, funded and supported by GE. And so this group is actually going to be sending out its very first shipment of Opal Nugget Ice Makers um, a couple months from now. And so I'll be enjoying my own special ice at my house. Very wow. And that. I just Googled it, and there's an article here in refrigerators.review.com, and it says, New GE Ice Maker Brings Sonic's Nugget Ice Home. And it's an article written last July by Daniel Rokloski, and it says, GE's first build micro factory has been on a roll from its micro living concept to its Bluetooth sous vide thermometer, excuse me, to its Paragon induction cooktop. The maker's space is really trying to shake up the kitchen. Now first build is back in the spotlight thanks to its newest creation, the Opal Nugget Ice Maker. If you're an ice aficionado, your ears probably just perked up because this little countertop machine will let you make the chewy ice made famous by Sonic Fast Food Restaurants. Is that the one, Emily? It is. And Bonnie, this is relevant to our conversation today because this is the way business is happening today. Innovation is happening. Business models are changing. And so we're going to be talking a lot about that in our discussion today. I appreciate that, and thanks for uh, the information. I was going to ask when you said your cup is full with ice. We had somebody who was an ice aficionado oh, about a year ago on one of our many series, Emily, and he was talking about going to bars and establishments that had very upscale ice, where the ice was clean and clear, did not melt away the flavor of the whiskey or whatever he was drinking. And there are places that, that insist that they have the best ice cubes. So I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you very much. And now let's turn to John Thompson, also SAP Ariba. John, you know the drill. Where are you calling from? What time is it? And what are you drinking? Or what are you dreaming about drinking? Yeah, sure. So so I'm on the East Coast with the rest of, of us. I, I'm just north of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, home for me is in a smaller town north of Atlanta called Woodstock, but our office is here in Alpharetta. Um, so same time zone as the rest of the group here, about 1225. Um, mine is not nearly as interesting as this ice conversation. I've read the articles Emily was talking about. So I, I drink three things a day. I'm a creature of habit. I drink coffee in the morning. I drink water all day long, and I drink whiskey on the rocks at night. And um, I would say of the three, my favorite is the whiskey on the rocks. Um, it's just a, a, a way to wind down at the end of the afternoon. I have a low-cost palate. I usually drink uh, Jack Daniels. And um, I, I will uh, drink various other kinds from time to time. But um, that would have to be my favorite drink if I chose one of my three beverages through the day. Water's not all that exciting, but that's what's in my cup at the moment. 
Okay. Well, we'll we'll hope that you have something much more exciting later on. Thank you. So we've got an East Coast-based team here today. Thank you very much. We're off to a great start. <laughs> we'll say we're off to a good drinking start. That's later. We're talking with Rich Lazara at CA Technologies, Emily Rakowski, and John Thompson at SAP Ariba. By the way, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. And today's Tuesday. Just finished a show an hour ago. This is my second one. This is Doubleheader Tuesdays. All I'm allowed to have by strict orders of somebody, I don't know, SAP or somewhere. All I can have is cool, clear, Brita-filtered water in a nice, clear cup. And today, I get to pick the straw. I pick a sunny yellow straw because it's gorgeous here in New York. We're thinking it might get up to 80 again. Ah, You know where I'm going. I'm going to walk to the voting place because it's New York State primary day today, April 19th. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it at that. You're listening to... Business Network Innovation with Game Changers Radio. This is Season 2. Shout out to Jeannie Trin at SAP Ariba, the sponsor of this show. Word has it Jeannie might be changing her last name. She's off on a honeymoon somewhere. Jeannie, congratulations and mazel tov. And shout out to all the people on your team who helped put this show together in your absence. We have Stephanie and, and I think Gail's going to be tweeting with us. Our topic today, your new power team, procurement, finance, and IT. So much more to talk about. Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial, we'll be right back. Michael, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Business has never been more complex than in today's networked economy. To thrive, companies must adapt and innovate. They must harness the wealth of information now available to enable smarter decision-making. They must enable effective collaboration among employees and with customers and suppliers. They must optimally deploy enterprise resources. And they must make this simple. Join our experts as they discuss how your business leaders can drive innovation that positions your company for continued success. Business Network Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Network Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Business Network Innovation with Game Changers. Here we are, Business Network Innovation Indeed. We're speaking today with Rich Lazara at CA Technologies, Emily Rakowski, and John Thompson at SAP Ariba. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're talking about your new power team, procurement, finance, and IT. You think it can't be done? Well, it can, and you're going to find out how and why. Maybe the why comes first and then the how. So I'm looking at the notes that Rich Lazara from CA Technology sent me before the show, and this is a good place to start. Rich said... To align procurement, finance, and IT for large initiatives, we needed to find common ground, which is not always easy because each group has its own competing priorities. Okay, let's start the conversation. Rich Lazara, talk to me. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, um, so yeah, just uh, like the, the statement says, right, so that each, each of these different groups is going to have their own priorities, and I'll give you just a 
kind of a, a use case example for, for us where uh, when we started our kind of foray into uh, procurement innovation, uh, the main driver was really to improve the uh, shopping user experience. So for CA, we do uh, indirect procurement. We've got about 12,000 employees, and we wanted to make that user experience better. Um, and we clearly needed a large, you know, initiative to, to go and get that done. So as we started down that road, um, it was fairly easy to get IT aligned because we own, you know, the, the systems that really drive that user experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a vested interest to make it better. And certainly the procurement organization as well, uh, since people are, you know, buying, you know, through procurement, they would want that to be, uh, you know, a better experience as well. So we were able to get IT and procurement aligned pretty quickly. Um, on the, the finance side with our accounts payable team, um, and the finance team, it was a little bit more challenging uh, because they had some other implementations that they had done. They were a little painful and didn't really have an appetite to go and, you know, make changes that would only improve the shopping experience but weren't necessarily, or at least at first glance, going to improve, you know, the way they do business day to day. So um, so the, the common ground that we had to find there um, was uh, if we just dug a little bit, we were able to, to, to get there and, and we were successful. Um, so the first kind of truism is, you know, uh, an invoice is, is only as good as the purchase order that creates it. And uh, we were able to show that uh, from, you know, stats, you know, that a lot of the issues that we have now with invoices are because, you know, the PO had some problems with it. And part of the solution, although it was going to improve the shopping experience, was also going to have um, cleaner, uh, better uh, purchase orders. Um, the other thing that we uh, added was um, this system we were putting in place would allow our suppliers who we were buying from to take that purchase order, a better, cleaner purchase order, and flip it right into an invoice. So when you go and do that, very uh, limited uh, opportunity for there to be issues. So the, uh, the amount of uh, you know, uh, errors and exceptions that w- would come up would be significantly less. And we've got some pretty good um, you know, stats and, and quotes from, from people involved in the project, how uh, they started on one side thinking this wasn't a good idea, and now they're, they're advocates for, for what we've done and have even helped uh, speak you know, publicly about the way we've gone and implemented here at CA. So, so it can be done, but you've got to you know, just peel it away and work at it a little bit. And you have to be willing to listen with the intention to understand, going back to one of our opening quotes. Emily Rakowski, love to have your thoughts on the example that Rich shared with us. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we work with many, many customers who are trying to really transform their end-to-end source-to-pay function from everything from strategic sourcing to their e-procurement practices, their invoice management practices. Um, And when, you know, they start thinking about how they're going to make that change happen in the organization, it really starts very much up front with the business case for, for that transformation because it's going to include a you typically a technology purchase, change management, uh, you know, new sets of KPIs. Uh, there's going to be an expectation of, you know, specific value that they have to deliver at the end of that program or ongoing, really. And so, you know, we really recommend that people think about that initiative end-to-end. It's, you know, oftentimes starts with the procurement function, but then, oh, my phone is talking to me. <laughs> Carrie <laughs> just said she knows many things. Maybe she wants to come in. That's um, a good collaborator there. Thank you, Siri. Really, she's part of the team. That was very funny. Um, but, you know, finance is a very huge stakeholder in this end-to-end function, and it's really not just about accounts payable. Um, there, are, there are parts of the source-to-pay function that can really end up in a big 
bottom line benefit from working capital management. And so I think when procurement thinks about how to engage the stakeholders around finance, particularly talking about better processes for invoice management, more touchless processes, um, being able to garner early payment discounts from your suppliers by being more on top of the process, or even being able to engage in um, operations such as supply chain financing, which actually gives suppliers their upfront payment with a third party where you don't have to pay early, but you can still um, get the benefit of supply chain finance in terms of working capital management. There's a lot of things that you can build into that business case to really bring finance into the process, make them see the specific benefits that are going to accrue to their function while also understanding the larger benefit of um, the entire transformation effort. So I, I definitely see what you know. Rich was talking about how they made a lot of business case around the invoice management piece, and that's that's absolutely the right way to go. But then there's even more that you can build in in terms of bringing finance into your corner. Thank you, John Thompson. Talk to us. Join the party. Yeah, I'm I'm probably just going to add extensions onto what's already been said. Um, mm-hmm. And in my experience, and, and I, sh- I should add this comment: I've I've been at SAP Ariba a year but I've spent 19 years in the sourcing and procurement space. So I'm, I'm contributing to some of this dialogue as really a former practitioner who, who crossed over to the other side about a year ago. Um, but in, in my experience, this starts off with agreement on business outcomes, much like what Emily was describing. Uh, too often you see procurement, finance, technology start with point solutions, business process problems, and how do you solve for that, which I think makes it bumpy. But if you're speaking in the language of business, financial outcomes, financial performance of the company, alignment happens there relatively easy, and the details work themselves out in time. Um, When you look at procurement and sourcing and, and payables and what they're trying to accomplish, it's to install effective spend management across the enterprise. Supplier expense makes... Uh, somewhere north of 50, 40 to 50 percent of a company's expense base, and if that can be effectively managed, that contributes to the bottom line of the company and the overall performance. Um, and you can't do that without technology, and procurement can't do that without accounts payable. Um, mm-hmm. You're you're looking at thousands of transactions, thousands of purchase orders and invoices, um, processes that need to be automated, um, productivity that needs to be installed. Uh, compliance and effective management of negotiated price to make sure that that's the price that's been paid for. And so this relationship between finance, procurement, and technology is just mission critical. But when you start at the point solutions and the point problems, it's just too much of a challenge. When you start at the business case like what Emily was describing and you get locked on the financial performance of managing multiple billions of dollars, then there is greater alignment at an executive level that can then charter that initiative and and keep an eye towards overall value and value proposition. Thank you very much, John. Thank you all. Rich Lazar, I'm going to give you a moment here to anything you want to add or subtract, anything you want to challenge and what your co-panelists said before we move on? Uh, no, I mean, I think you, you know, you, you, know, you, you need, you need a, a starting point, right? Um, but clearly, uh, there's a, a foundation that's that's been built, uh, you know, here at CA. And, and the, the good thing for for us is that the sort of the, the partnership that we started as we went through this project that you know started kind of rough and then you know ended in a, in a really uh, you know wonderful way. We're, we're seeing the the benefits from that project in 
you know, reduced cycle times, a very high uh, percentage of um, electronic invoices coming into our system, much higher than it's ever been before, which is great, which has really given IT kind of a seat at the table. So now as new things uh, have come in and, and, and new things have with uh, wanting to do some spend visibility and some more upstream type processes, uh, we actually had a seat at the table to be able to um, have the level of, of credibility now that we've proven ourselves in a, in a smaller way to say, hey, you know, we think we can go and take on this, this other piece, which is integrated into what we've already built, that'll have some real uh, financial uh, benefits for the company and then build the business case for that. And, and we've, we've had a pretty long line of uh, implementations over the last three years uh, to, to really build on this initial foundation that I was uh, talking about earlier with, uh, you know, PO and invoice uh, automation and improving the user experience. Thank you, Rich. I'm going to move on to something interesting. Uh, I talked about the why and the how. Let's talk about the how to get all this done. Let's get down into the, I won't say the gory details, but down into the trenches. Emily Rakowski, I'm looking at your notes, and here's something that intrigues me. I'd like you to talk about. You say, with technology becoming pervasive in the digital age, the lines are blurring between IT and the business, talking about procurement and finance. You say the business side needs to be well aware of the new technological possibilities and new IT solutions, and the IT function has to be aware and knowledgeable about the business needs. But here's the kicker, Emily, I want you to talk about. You say one way to achieve this is by moving and rotating people between procurement, finance, and IT. Is HR listening, Emily? Do they know you've gone out on a limb and said this? Do you want you want to talk? We have a show coming up soon, starting called "Changing the Changing the Game with HR." So, should we get them on board? Emily, talk to me. How do you do this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think you know, not all companies, right, are going to have rotational programs where people move between all of these functions, but. A lot of companies with the up-and-comers will have some kind of, uh, you know, top college grad type of programs or, M, you know, new M- minted MBA programs where they do rotate people around different um, functions in the business so that they can get a really holistic viewpoint about how the business runs and what each function contributes and how they might be working better together in the future. And they will do some of these rotations, but... Specifically to people who are maybe more mature in their roles, you know, I, I find that when we work with clients and customers who um, have leaders in procurement who used to be maybe in a finance shared services function or people in IT who spent specific time supporting finance or supporting procurement, um, whether it was a full rotation into that function or just, you know, by way of having um, different roles in supporting the business in different ways, they usually become uh, much more knowledgeable of an understanding of the goals of those individual functions. And that way, it's much easier to weave together the bigger picture of what these functions can achieve together. Um, if you don't really understand what the procurement organization does or what the procurement organization is trying to bring to the table, you're not necessarily going to be a position, if you're, for example, in IT, you're not necessarily going to know what the right types of solutions are to think about to support that organization. Um, you may not have the same vision or perspective on how to automate things that procurement's trying to automate. Um, and similarly with the finance and IT functions as well, you know, you really need to understand there's a lot of, you know, nuances of, of financial technologies and reporting that you need to understand in order to, you know, support that well in the IT function. So really finding ways, whether it's rotating people in and out of those functions or just spending good time um, supporting those businesses and really coming to understand um, those functions well, it's really critical. Um, procurement's at an interesting crossroads in its maturation as a function. 
it, you know, historically, you know, a decade ago or before was much more about just basic blocking and tackling of buying mm-hmm. the goods and services that the business needed to, to run um, and just trying not to, like, stop the production line of, of the factory or, you know, trying to do what it could to make sure the business runs smoothly. Nowadays, procurement always has to deliver savings to the business. That's like the table stakes that procurement's expected to deliver. But in addition, procurement's expected to really understand the future of the business, how the business model of the company might be changing moving forward, what expansions the company is doing, what types of innovations the company is looking to bring in in order to make themselves more competitive and compelling in the marketplace. And procurement is expected to serve as a partner to the business in finding the right suppliers to bring innovation in and to help the business really change, innovate, and move forward. So in order to do that, they need to try to automate a lot of that sort of basic blocking and tackling that they've had to do in the past so they can really focus on a more strategic capability and a more strategic value offering to the business. So that's really where um, where procurement's going and, and why IT and, and having you know, systems to really help automate things that are less value building um, is really critical. Thank you, Emily. Good overview of that strategy. I like it. Let's hear John Thompson's POV. You've been in the trenches for years, as you said. John, agree, disagree? Oh, I could give dozens of examples. I love what Emily said, and I love the topic she brings up. Um, so, so absolutely. And I, I've seen this work on, on a multitude of fronts. Um, you know, I'll start with from a strategic sourcing point of view and what Emily was describing as the procurement function over the last 20 years has matured a great deal on the operational front and the sourcing organization continues to grow from a, a savings expectation, but it's really driving towards innovation and what can we extract out of our supply base to be innovative to the business and the delivery models of whatever business that we're in. And so, you know, at my most recent company I, I was at, uh, we found a lot of success recruiting sourcing professionals from the business so that we were teaching them effective strategic sourcing negotiations, et cetera. They, they obviously had a good business headset and, and business acumen about themselves. But more importantly, they knew the business strategy that we were supporting. Um, Three-quarters of my career has been spent in financial services. So when you look at the business strategy of the consumer bank, the, the wholesale operations, and then the, uh, the mortgage company, you know, w- we needed to line up what we were doing from a supplier point of view to bring innovation to that business model. So, you know, that's an example of rotation. Um, we've, we've seen people transfer from our procurement operations team into accounts payable. And so these challenges uh, that Rich was alluding to a moment ago in terms of the perfect order leading to the perfect invoice, um, we got a lot of benefit out of this one individual that transitioned out of our procurement operations team moving into accounts payable. And the collaboration and partnership that we got out of that was just significantly uh, higher. But, but the last thing I was going to mention is in the last five years especially, I've, I've seen a lot more emergence of, the, of shared services teams. So when you look at technology, process, as well as scale that we need to deliver, um, I'm seeing these shared services organizations that either roll up to a COO, a CIO, and, and we're bringing together the operation aspects of procurement and accounts payable, the system administration that's required, as well as the overall 
end-to-end process mapping. I mean, there's a there's a unique skill set when it comes to operations and optimizing optimizing those operations within the technology. That there's more scale and benefit that you can get out of procurement sitting next to accounts payable, and the same people that are administering and configuring the technology being in the same organization. Um, that I think is going to be happening more and more uh, in the years ahead, and I've, I'm seeing it more and more on the clients of SAP Ariba when we're engaging with them to partner and set them up for success. It's it's a more and more common model that that's delivering scale, and I think it's particularly going to be prevalent as we see cloud technology emerge, where mm-hmm. we've got opportunities to bring those teams together, and it's less about configuring technology and customizing and writing code, et cetera, but it's really more about configuring a standard tool set, and it's more about optimizing the process that's with them. Thank you, John. I'm going to move this around the table to Rich Lazara at CA Technologies. A lot has happened since we introduced Emily's topic. Rich, love to know your thoughts. <laughs> sure. There, hmm. there were a lot of different points there. That, uh, the, the first about the, the rotation, I've, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about those types of things. We've never actually uh, executed it. Um, here or in other companies I've, I've worked for over the past 20 or so years, um, it's, it's a challenge, right, to pull people out of their role. I mean, it's, it's wonderful if folks can do that, but uh, I haven't actually uh, seen or experienced that, although I would welcome that. Um, but what, what we have done is um, we've worked to build really uh, close relationships with the business. And from a from an IT perspective, you, you can definitely have you know, the issue where you've got people just thinking about technology for technology's sake, and, and that's never going to bring us to the, to the best solution. So what we've tried to do is, is have more like, uh, you know, day-in-the-life sessions with folks who are in the different, you know, roles that, that span across uh, procurement, whether it's a procurement operations or a buyer or the, you know, contracts team or the sourcing team. That helps build, um, you know, a better understanding of what uh, the real uh, challenges are that, that the business is going through. So as we look for solutions, we can, we can target some of those uh, key uh, pain points. Um, one of the other things that you know we've been able to do is, you know, through uh, bringing some uh, newer technology to bear, um, we've allowed uh, the the business teams to really focus on the things that would add value uh, to their business. So, you know, for example, we're at like a 92% electronic invoice right now. So people are only dealing with true exceptions. So those folks can can focus on things that add add value more than just uh, dealing with, you know, day-to-day fires. Um, we've introduced a way to have better um, visibility in, into our spend, which has resulted in, you know, real, real dollar uh, savings for the company mm-hmm. as we see the, the spend that's happening maybe in different pockets across the whole organization, and now we have a consolidated view. Um, you know, uh, we've introduced the ability to do reverse auctions so we can, you know, negotiate and get better pricing uh, for the company and, and, you know, avoid uh, the, the previous costs that we were spending for uh, different types of uh, products. So so all of that, you know, innovation, I think, really allows the business then to be able to focus on value-added activities, you know, even things where we've introduced, you know, offline approvals and, you know, mobile approvals and, and those types of things. So, you know, uh, I think underst- we need to be very close from an IT perspective uh, to the business, you know, um, and, and there's ways to, to do that uh, in addition to just doing sort of a job rotation. But then when we understand the pain points, we can, you know, alleviate those and then the business can really be freed up to, um, you know, add, add real value and, and innovate. Thank you very much, Rick. Rich. Emily, I'm going to give you just a moment. Any comments on what your co-panelists have said about your topic? Anything you want to share? Um, you know, I think everybody sort of has a similar sense about, about us across this panel of what we've seen in the trenches and, and with customers trying to accomplish. Um, 
So it's really, I really love the idea that Rich just introduced about understanding a day in the life, um, having people either shadow each other or just spend good time together to really understand those functions more deeply um, instead of just maybe sitting at a table, maybe really spending time with them for a day or a week to understand uh, that job further. That's a great idea. All good idea. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And we have time just for one more brief topic before we're about two, I'll make it three minutes until we go into our crystal ball predictions round. And I can't wait for predictions from this panel. Uh, John Thompson, I'm looking at your notes. Thank you for sending so much good information. Just quickly, uh, I'm going to read this statement, see if you can add something here of interest. I know you will. The digital age and evolution of business commerce networks has given procurement, finance, and technology some common ground. And you talk about in our personal lives, the digital world, digital platforms are all connected. We shop, we bank, we pay bills professionally. We engage professionally, socially, uh, with our health and everything we do with our homes. And you're saying business commerce network, commerce networks are doing the same in how we engage with our suppliers. You want to, you have a couple of good examples here. Can you throw some numbers at us just to talk about the sheer volume of what's involved for a big company, John? Yeah, sure. I mean, for, for our listeners that are maybe not familiar with this topic as much, um, Companies that are spending $2 billion with suppliers, which is an example of, of the mm-hmm. recent last five years of where I was working, um, this particular company had 20,000 purchase orders on a monthly basis that it issued to suppliers. Uh, there were roughly 3,000 suppliers that made up the core supply base from a preferred supplier point of view. Within those 3,000 suppliers, there was 10,000 contracts, 30,000 invoices. I realize I'm spouting off a lot of numbers, but the point That's is... That's okay. Is that You're making volume. the point. There, there, there's volume and there's scale that cannot be done across paper. This is a problem for technology. It's a problem for accounts payable, and it's a problem for procurement. So the emergence of business commerce networks being a hub on how buyers and suppliers communicate, collaborate, and stay connected is delivering immense benefits across the board. Um, I mean, in, in this day and age with commerce networks, we should be having 90% automation of these transactions plus um, touchless invoices that match against purchase orders and don't require a person to touch this, reducing cycle times that can be north of 20, 30 days just to approve and process an invoice down to two days. Um, and if you can imagine the time value of money, the cash management objectives that uh, Emily was describing before, this opens up a world of opportunity both on the supplier side as well as the buyer side to be able to take prompt payment discounts by paying invoices early when you have a net 30 or net 45 payment terms. If you pay them within 10 days, it's very common to be able to negotiate a discount. But also from the supplier side, this produces a lot of value because suppliers, they, they need cash. That, that's what they, they want to get paid quick so that they can make investments um, in innovation and product and production, etc. Um, and it's not just about invoices and purchase orders. This is uh, the commerce networks are scaling into production schedules. Um, what we're doing in our MRP systems, um, fulfillment, advanced shipment notices. It's connecting buyers and suppliers so that they can see into each other's supply chain and have that visibility for forecast and planning. Um, so, you know, the point I was making with Business Commerce Network is there is a common ground that has emerged in the last five to ten years with cloud technology and, and with this capability that is a win for all three of these groups. And um, it's, it's uh, getting a great deal of traction. And, you know, when you look down the road five, ten years, 
this is very much the norm. This is the norm now on your best-in-class companies. Thank you very much, John. It's time for us to go quickly through our crystal ball predictions round. We've got about three and a half minutes left to the show. I'll give you each 45 seconds. Rich Lazara, CA Technologies, a beautiful day. I know you can see into that CA crystal ball, look into the future. How far ahead are you looking? And why don't you give me 45 seconds of your predictions on what will change about this topic at that point in time? Rich, go. Sure. So I think, uh, you know, looking forward, uh, you know, we're probably counting in uh, in months versus years nowadays with the way uh, innovation is, is just uh, taking hold and technology keeps improving. Um, I'd say maybe four quick things. I think, uh, you know, mobile is uh, nice to have. It's table stakes now. So our customers expect to be able to do things on their mobile devices and uh, perform those functions, you know, anywhere um, on any device at any time. I think uh, we're just going to see increased um, cloud uh, SaaS solutions. There's really no need to, to be able to uh, have your own, uh, you know, uh, data center and, and all the uh, maintenance and, and other kind of constrictions that, that come with having that. Uh, and I think um, BYOD, BYOA. So I think, you know, bring your own device is, is, is going to be a norm. We're almost there now. And uh, bring your own app is uh, coming where our you know customers are going to know the in some cases the best way that they want to perform certain functions and we're going to have to be able to support that from an IT perspective. Thank you very much. Wow, that was a mouthful. Appreciated. A lot to look forward to. Emily Rakowski, 45 seconds predictions. Go. With the advent of all the different technologies that are available today through business networks, through mobile apps, through source to pay solutions, uh, I think a lot of what procurement finance potentially lots of functions in businesses have people doing today will largely be automated. So, you know, machines will tell supply chains that they need repair, maintenance, or, or parts, and, and all of it will just kind of happen. Um, so with that, I think the focus of a lot of these functions is going to be much more largely on strategic areas and strategic um, building of, of company goals versus focusing on ticking the box on reporting and, um, and more tactical types of items. There's somebody named Kai Novosel from Accenture who issued a report last year about the future of procurement where he predicted that procurement would be a team of one. Um, I think that's a little extreme, mm. but at the <laughs> same time, we could see these functions, you know, headcount-wise, really shrinking and focusing much more um, on strategic topics with, uh, you know, folks who uh, understand the business very well and are much more focused on business goals versus um, operating the function itself. Thank you very much, John Thompson. I saved just about one, well, 45 seconds will be fair to you. Predictions. Go ahead, John. Well, I, I can be quick because mine is basically directly in agreement with what Emily said. I, I think in five, ten years, you're going to see automation of, of many of the things we've been talking about. And you're going to see a group of procurement and sourcing professionals focused on supplier development and how they can tap into that supply base for innovation. So I, I think the profession is largely going to be extracting that innovation that suppliers can bring, and that's going to be the focus, less about the procurement operations stuff we're talking about today. Thank you very much. What a great panel. Great conversation. Uh, this is not my wheelhouse, but you sure made it easy for me to follow and understand, and I thank the three of you so much for your insights, your knowledge, your expertise, and your charm. Rich Lazara, CA Technologies, I we now excuse you from work, and you can go take a drive to the North Fork of Long Island and get that wine, because it's, <laughs> uh, it's almost 1 o'clock here, and if you get there in time, it'll be time for dinner outside. It's a beautiful day. Emily Rakowski and John Thompson, SAP Reba. 
thank you so much and a shout out again to our series sponsor Jeannie Trin at SAP Ariba wherever you are we hope you're having a fabulous honeymoon Jeannie and we look forward to you coming back and that's it we did two live shows today woohoo it's a double header tomorrow I'll be back with another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here's my call to action Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? No drinking and driving. Come on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Enjoy the sunshine wherever you are. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Business Network Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.